We're about to read Judges 12. And you remember that I talked a few chapters ago about how the tribe of Ephraim got jealous after Gideon had his great victory. Well, now Jephthah's had a great victory, and now they get jealous again. <laughs> Let's read. The men of Ephraim were gathered together, and they passed northward, and they said to Jephthah, Why did you pass over to fight against the children of Ammon and didn't call us to go with you? We will burn your house around you with fire. Jephthah said to them, I and my people were at great strife with the children of Ammon, and when I called you, you didn't save me out of their hands. When I saw that you didn't save me, I put my life in my own hand, and I passed over against the children of Ammon, and Yahweh delivered them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me today to fight against me? Then Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim. The men of Gilead struck Ephraim because they said, You are fugitives of Ephraim, you Gileadites, in the middle of Ephraim and in the middle of Manasseh. The Gileadites took the fords of the Jordan against the Ephraimites. Whenever a fugitive of Ephraim said, Let me go over, the men of Gilead said to him, Are you an Ephraimite? If he said no, they would say to him, Now say Shibboleth. And he said, Sibboleth for he couldn't manage to pronounce it correctly. Then they seized him and killed him at the fords of the Jordan. At that time, 42,000 of Ephraim fell. Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah the Gileadite died and was buried in the cities of Gilead. After him, Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons. He sent his 30 daughters outside the clan, and he brought in 30 daughters from outside his clan for his sons. He judged Israel seven years. Ibsan died and was buried in Bethlehem. After him, Elon the Zebulonite judged Israel, and he judged Israel ten years. Elon the Zebulonite died and was buried in Aishalon in the land of Zebulun. And after him, Abdon the son of Hillel the Pirathonite judged Israel. He had forty sons and forty sons and thirty sons' sons who rode on seventy donkey colts. He judged Israel eight years. Abdon the son of Hillel the Pirathonite died and was buried in Pirathon in the land of Ephraim in the hill country of the Amalekites. So in this chapter we, um, we've got the aftermath of Jephthah's great victory. And we'll get to that in just a second. But here is mentions the 9th, 10th and 11th judges of Israel. And I'm just going to mention them. Ibzan of Bethlehem, 9th judge. Elon the Zebulonite, the 10th judge, and Abdon the Pirathonite, the 11th judge. And we don't know very much about these guys, but they were leaders that, that helped Israel through a period of time. And while ever they were there, things were going well. <laughs> and of course, the 12th judge will be Samson. We'll get to him. So you remember a few chapters ago that Gideon had a great victory, and then the Ephraimites said, why didn't you call us to fight? And Gideon was just very diplomatic. But here, Jephthah, same thing happens. And this time, Jephthah isn't diplomatic. He just goes at them. And um, they say to him, why didn't you call us to fight? And his response is, well, I did. And you didn't come. And, um, and so then, they're threatening to burn down his house. He just, he just goes at them. And we have like a mini civil war where there's a fight between Israel and between Ephraim, and 42,000 soldiers of Ephraim are put to death. Um, 
there's this little part here where they're at the fords of the Jordan. And I guess you couldn't cross the Jordan in, in too many places. And so they're crossing on this one spot and they would say, are you from Ephraim? And they would say, no, of course. And then they would say, pronounce Shibboleth. And apparently they couldn't pronounce their SHs. <laughs> so they could only say Sibboleth. And, um, and then that's when they would find out if they're from Ephraim or not, and they would kill them. And uh, there's so many, if you Google Shibboleth, there's so many interesting things out there about that. It's, it's one of these, there's actually a lot of ways where the Bible has influenced culture. But a Shibboleth, back then a Shibboleth was just a word that had SH in it, and it meant something like a stalk, um, a, head of, a head of wheat or a head of grain or a stalk of grain. It meant something like that. That's what a Shibboleth was. But the word didn't matter. It was just they needed something with the SH in it to test. But now a shibboleth has become a thing. A shibboleth is a secret word or a secret phrase that only certain people know or certain people can say. And you can use that to test if they're in the group or out of the group. And so there are all sorts of shibboleths today. And um, if you Google it, you'll see some interesting examples. And so what we find today is that in the body of Christ... We've got this same, the same type of pride that was in the tribe of Ephraim gets into people in the body of Christ today. So for example, if you're, if you're doing something that you think's um, important or wonderful, it's something you think God's called to do, sometimes you invite other people to be a part of it and they don't want to be. And the reason they don't want to be is because they want to be in control of it. They think they're better, they want to run the thing. But then when you have success, they don't like the idea that someone's having success and they're not involved in it. So then they say things like, that's not your idea, that's my idea. Why didn't you ask us to be in control of that thing? We should be the ones running that. And so sometimes you can try diplomacy. And this has actually happened to me. If, if you've been a pastor for many years, you come into all sorts of different situations with people in your own church, people with other churches. Fortunately with peace, We've had such harmony and community in our church for so long that we don't have these types of situations inside the church. And uh, But I've got stories about them from a long time ago, though. But sometimes they happen outside of the church, too. And uh, where you do things, you do them in collaboration with other churches, but then occasionally someone's annoyed that they're not involved, but they were asked and they didn't want to be. And sometimes it's complicated things can get confusing and difficult and tricky. And, uh, but the tribe of Ephraim was one of these groups that were jealous. They thought they were the best. It had to be them that was doing it. Any good thing, they, they thought that God could only do good things if it was through them. And what the tribe of Ephraim really should have done is they should have looked at what Gideon did and then they should have looked at what Jephthah did and they should have been just really grateful. If you can't, if you can't help someone and serve them, at least be grateful for what God does through them without you. But if you're asked to serve, you're asked to be a part, do so with a servant heart. Don't do so with a heart that says, you know, I'm the most important person here and it's only going to succeed because I'm a part of it. You know, Joseph, the Bible says that the part of his house was blessed because he was there. But Joseph had a servant heart. If Joseph had a proud and arrogant attitude, Potiphar's house would not have been blessed. <laughs> so this is what we, this, these are the types of things we're talking about. So our attitude towards other churches should be, 
we want them to succeed. And if, if God gives them success, we're grateful for that success because ultimately it's his church and his body and it, it's, we're a part of it too. It's our success, even though we didn't do it. And if the Lord causes us, if we're called to serve and be a part of something, we do so with a heart that says, even if I don't ever get any credit for this, I'm just happy to serve. And that's the right attitude to take. If we only serve with the uh, you know, thought that we're going to get credit out of it, we now have the wrong attitude. The Bible says about Jesus Christ, he did not come, uh, but he, you know, he basically came to seek and to save that which was lost. So that was his goal, his heart and intent was to be a servant. After this, the mighty tribe of Ephraim lost 42,000 fighting men. If we go back 300 years in um, Israelite history, when they were crossing the Jordan, um, there was a, a, a census. At that time, 300 years earlier, in the entire tribe of Ephraim, there were only 32,500 fighting men. Now, 300 years later, 42,000 fighting men have been killed. So Ephraim was one of the stronger tribes, but now has become one of the weaker tribes after an event like this. There's a big percentage of their male fighting population, and we find that in biblical history, the tribe of Ephraim goes a little quiet now for a while <laughs> until the times of the kings and um, you know, until, it's, until the nation of Israel a little bit later on. So... Father, protect us from pride. I pray you keep these stinking attitudes away from us, the types of things that so easily get into every human heart and which are on display right here in Judges chapter 12. Father, let the sins of Ephraim be far from us. But Lord, let us have the attitude of Christ that we come to serve. So Lord, strengthen us in these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.